from baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. <laughs> you would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered. Today, we're going to have Robbie Grossman, former athletic. And how about the great Jim Leland, one of the best managers of all time, former A's Sonny Gray, and Bernie Williams, the four-time World Series champion and now Grammy nominee as a jazz guitarist. We will start with the former left fielder for your Oakland Athletics, now a Tiger, Robbie Grossman. Robbie, it has been a while. How are you there in Detroit? I'm good. I'm good. Uh uh everything's good thanks for having me on good to hear from you again uh no doubt we always loved when you were here with the oakland athletics and uh we actually just mentioned this to you off the air you know with with the lockout and and missing basically a little more than a week the schedule's been crazy and for you guys in detroit it's something like 34 games in 35 days i mean talk about starting a season like this what's it been like uh it's uh it's been a grind, but um, something where I have to deal with um, league-wide with the the, the uh, late start to the season. So what has it been like playing uh, for the Tigers? I know you guys come into this kind of like the A's. The A's have lost nine straight. You guys have like – you've lost five straight. What's it been like for you guys? we got to keep grinding and uh, collectively come together and, and figure out how to win games and, and – uh, Play play well play well rounded baseball on all sides pitching defense and, and hitting the ball and uh, continue to grind these things out. You know you got an interesting mix there in Detroit where you have obviously veteran players like yourself. You have a future Hall of Famer in Miguel Cabrera who's been doing some just unbelievable things, and then you got a lot of young guys who definitely are the answer now and truly the answer for the future of Tigers baseball. What is playing on this team in the mix been like? It's been a great mix. We got a great group of guys, and like you said, we have we have Maggie who has amazing accomplishments and just lucky enough to be his teammate. And then we got some young guys who are trying to get their uh, just find their footing here in the big leagues and and figure out who they are and and how how life in the big leagues is and it's the adjustment day to day and what it takes to become a big leaguer. You know, every single time Miggy does something. And you just look at it, and you look at the names he's associated with. When you start talking 500 home runs, 3,000 hits, then you throw in, you know, the doubles. I just and next thing you know, it's Hank Aaron or Willie Mays or whoever. You guys are riding that ride with him. That just must be amazing. What is it like? Uh, it's incredible. Um... It's incredible. It seems like every time he gets a hit, he's passing someone else. And, and the names that he's passing and the games he's played, and it, it's just incredible. And I'm lucky enough to call him my teammate. And uh, one day I can tell my kids that, hey, I played with a Hall of Famer. You know how tough it is to hit in this game. What is it about him at this age that still allows him to perform at such a high level? I mean, he just has such a great swing and just a God-given ability to, to hit a baseball. And But the one thing that's overlooked by him is his competitiveness. Like, I don't know if I've been around someone that's as competitive as him and how much 
how much it really burns him to win every day. And uh, everyone asks me what surprises you about him that, that you, most people wouldn't know. And it's just his competitiveness. And, and there's a reason why he's played this long and, and had and accomplished so many things because it just, he's such a competitive guy and he wants to win every day. Yeah. You talk about the complete package. I got his numbers here, a career three ten average. He's got 503 home runs. He's got 600 doubles. He's got over 3000 hits, 1813 RBIs. You know, you start thinking about 20 years and everything he does, the multiple MVPs and everything. And then in his speech, after his 3,000th hit, we got to see you guys had the glass of champagne. You're right. He really wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about this team winning, going up to the division. Did any of you got, were you guys looking around going, man, is this real? Is this guy really talking about us when everything that he's done and accomplished? I think some of the young guys were taken aback by that, but he did the same thing when he hit this 500 home. It wasn't about him. It was about the team. And uh, it was about, he was more, more proud of, he could do it for his country, his home country of Venezuela. And it was never about him. And, and I think that's what makes him special. And I'm lucky enough to be around him every single day. And, and it's never about him. It's, it's always about the team and what, what he can do to help the team or, and how bad he wants to win. How much can you pick his brain and you, I mean, obviously you're a switch hitter, but how about, how much can you pick his brain and you learn hitting from him? I ask him all kinds of questions all the time and, uh, and just little things I try to get from him and, but more so I just watch him, just watching him go about his routine, go about his batting practice. I mean, it's, it's something that you, you tell stories about. So, um, it's something that, uh, I, I try to I try to soak up as much information as I can from him. You know, the last time I was in Detroit was before COVID. You were still on our team at that time, and I remember being in Comerica, just going, "Man, this this place oozes history with all the great history and all the players who played for the Tigers." You know, in your career, whether you're an Astro, a Twin, or an A, what has it been like playing for the Tigers? I mean, like you said, you said it. You said it best. And there's so much history here. Um, just to to go off the names that have played here before, and just how much success they've had, and and how much this team meets, means to the city, it's uh, it's pretty remarkable. You know, I know somebody asked you about the Coliseum, and you gave your honest opinion about the Coliseum. And yeah, the Coliseum is old, and uh, at, we all know the A's and. You understand as a former player, a lot of the fans understand you know, that we need a new stadium. I mean, there's no question about it, but there's going to be that part of the fan base that just hates when the Coliseum gets brought up. When you did mention that, what was that like? I know there's, there was some, like on Twitter, there were, you probably, maybe you didn't even pay attention, but there's people that are like, I can't believe he said that. What, what, what happened there? I think more so. I want to clarify my comments about that. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't a knock on the fans. It wasn't a knock on the players. It was, it was more so like, hey, we need the city needs to figure out something. Like, like the Coliseum is no longer playable. Either build a new stadium. Or we need to figure something out. They deserve better. The fans deserve better. The, the the players deserve better. And people need to know you like playing for the A's. You like playing for Bob Melvin. I, I loved it. I'm, my time in Oakland was special. Um, I, I'm still close with a bunch of teammates from there. Um, I love my time with the A's and it, it will hold, always hold a special place in my heart in my baseball career.
You know, I think, and, and, and I know you got to go, you got to get ready for this game today, but uh, I know one guy that, that means a lot to you and he's still here and, and we, we reference you too is Jed Lowry. And do you still work out with Jed in the off season? I, I do. I do. I work out with him. I hit with him. We hit at the same place and uh, I'm looking forward to catching up with him. Just how important is that to have that relationship with someone who you really can't, it's apples to apples. You really can compare, ask questions. Cause as a switch, you know, it's one thing to ask a hitting coach or whatever, but if he's not a switch hitter, it's hard. Isn't it really hard for people who don't switch hit to understand what you're going through. And that's one of the reasons why you and Jed have had such a great relationship. Yes. And uh, there's only so many of us left switch hitting in this game. And, and the older I get, the less, the less guys that are older than me that switch hit. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, it's, I'm glad I had this relationship with Jed and I can always ask him and, and have his opinion because I respect his opinion and it means a lot to me. And I just, uh, I appreciate our, our friendship. Hey, well, it always means a lot when you come on the program, you've always been great to us here on A's cast. Good luck. We'll see you when you come to Oakland, but, uh, good luck with the Tigers. We'll always be rooting for you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Always good talking to you from one tiger to another. Hey, you want to talk about great managers, Jim Leland, one of the best of his time a World Series champion, and a three-time manager of the year, now a consultant for the Detroit Tigers. Jim, how you doing? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. It's great to have you on the program. How have you been? I'm doing fine, thank you. So we got an interesting series here with two different teams. I know you've been looking at the Tigers a lot for the A's. Unfortunately, we've fallen on hard times here. A's have lost nine in a row. Tigers have lost five in a row. And you got five games in four days. How do you view the series? Well, I just think that both teams are in the same situation. Both teams are trying to win one game. Uh, you got to start with the first game being played tonight and try to win that game. You can't worry about the five-game series. You can't worry about – can't chew yesterday's breakfast. You got to just move forward and try to win a ball game, and that's what – AJ and Kotze are going to try to do tonight. They're going to try to put their team in the best chance to win a game and then go from there and hope that they pick up a little momentum. What was it like in a season managing where you know the expectations are – you're going to try and win every game, but you're not going to win a lot of games, but it is trying to find young players that are going to help you in the future. What is it like managing a year like that? Well, I think it's a very interesting job because you've got to really make judgments on whether the young people that you're trying are the real deal or not. So that's one thing. You become kind of a scout as well as a manager. So you have to be the project, be able to project on their future and are they going to be there when your team gets good. So that's one thing you look at. The other thing you look at is how, how do those young players adjust to the major league level, the pace of the game, the speed of the game, the crowds, the media – you know, overall, their overall persona, how do they handle everything? Uh, that's another thing that you're looking at. The one thing you have to be careful of is when you're losing games like that, and I went through it, you have to be careful that you don't get out of sync as a manager and start doing stuff that really doesn't make a lot of sense because you're trying to do stuff. Uh, you're trying to create stuff that's really not there. So you got to be careful with that. I think you got to push once in a while if your club's not hit for sure and things like that. But you got to be careful that you don't try – things that really, you know, aren't going to be factors when your team gets good. You've got to manage solid, 
manage the game solid, make solid decisions, and you know you will forever as a manager you will forever be either the victim or the beneficiary of your player's performance. So you have to keep all that intact. You know, in the past, whether it was Bob Melvin or now talking to Mark Kotze about a situation like this, they talk about the teaching aspect. One of the things that they do enjoy with, let's say you have a lot of young players, is getting back to the origin of being a coach. Did you feel like that during times like this? Absolutely, yes. You're trying to uh, correct mistakes that are made. You're trying to avoid mistakes that could be made. Uh, you're trying to mature the young players. You're trying to grow them up in the major leagues, which is kind of hard to do. Uh, you're trying to understand at all times how tough the game is to play, so you got to be careful you're not too hard on them. Yet there's a fine line there. You also you can't be too hard on them, but you can't baby them so much that they think it's okay. You know, they, they still have to uh, learn how to grow and perform and mature and graduate, so to speak. So there's a fine line there. It's a big job for a manager, but it's a very interesting job because it's very rewarding to see these players get better. And and a lot of them go on to have very solid major league careers. Hopefully it's with the Oakland A's. In some cases it is, some cases it's not. But it's very rewarding when you see guys make progress. And it just, uh, you know, it kind of eases the pain of some tough losses, which you're going to have. I went through a bunch of them after we won the World Series. We went to a bunch of kids and we just got beat up. But uh, there was still a lot of gratification. So I think you have to just look at the overall picture. You have to stay consistent as a manager. You have to stay consistent as an organization. You have to believe in your players. You have to give them opportunities. And you have to make them understand that it's like a defense lawyer. If you want somebody to defend you as a player, then you got to give them something to go to court with. So <laughs> you got to give us something that shows us that, you, that you're making progress, that you've got a chance to be a good player, Give me something to take to the general manager as to why I want to keep playing this guy. So the players have to chip in as well. That is the best explanation I've ever heard about this because I've been through this now a couple times in my career. And I think about a guy that we have, Jim, that's exactly what you're talking about, Christian Pache, who we traded Matt Olson. He was part of the Matt Olson trade coming over. He's one of the top prospects for the Braves. He's 6'2", 215, super athletic. He, I mean, he tracks everything down in center field. He seems like he has the heart of gold, what he's done so far with kids and signing autographs and being, you know, embracing Oakland. I mean, he's done everything. The only thing is he's not hitting Jim. The last 20 games, he's hitting a buck 21. So he hasn't been very competitive. But making that case to keep him here, let him grow, is you talk about him evolving as a person i get that but when you have a guy struggling like that for three weeks and he's really young what do you think is the key to help help get that light bulb to go on well i think one of the keys is that you want to make sure that he's the kind of player if it gets so bad that because i've always believed this if he's the real deal you can at some point send him down if you have to and if he's the real deal he will come back and he will come back strong I sent down some great players in my career, good players for sure, not all great, but some really good players that everybody said, oh, you're worried about, you know, messing them up mentally by sending them down. I said, listen, I I don't believe in that. they got to be tough mentally to play in the big leagues. And if that's going to bother them or ruin their career, then they got a problem. They're never going to make it anyway. So I think, you know, you, you just, you play them as much as you can. If there comes a juncture where you say, you know what, 
this, this kid's just getting beat up so bad. We got to get him away from it. Let's send him down to AAA. That's not all so bad. I mean, I know the player doesn't want to hear that, and hopefully that doesn't have to happen. But uh, I, you know, I don't really know much about the Oakland A's anymore. But I do know this: that I did hear from a lot of good baseball people that they really made a good trade when they traded Olson, and that they really got some talent back. So I, I assume that's one of the kids that they got back. And uh, you know, Oakland's got a pretty good track record. You know, not a big payroll over the last, I can't tell you how many years, but I competed against them for a long time. Very respectful of Billy Bean and that organization and what they've done. They've made a lot of good decisions, and they're normally right in the hunt. They're probably not going to be this year, but they're normally right in there going to postseason or close to it. You know, speaking of a good decision, back in the day, this skinny shortstop, and some people want him as a pitcher, Miguel Cabrera, uh, the stories coming out of Venezuela where go find somebody and he hops a fence at a tryout and the rest is history. And you talk about 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 600 doubles. You've known him for a long, long time. Watching him grow into the man that he is, watching him where he is here at the end of his career and achieving all these milestones, seeing it through your eyes. What's it been like? Well, it's been a wonderful experience for me. I, I, I experienced a lot of it actually firsthand. I thought the greatest single season I've ever seen since my day, I didn't really remember Yastrzemski's or Frank Robinson's, but the triple crown year in 2012 was something I've never seen in my life. And it was one of my greatest experiences and most, one of my most memorable moments to see what he did that year because he got no leg hits. You know, I mean, all his hits had to be legitimate. So to see what he's accomplished and continuing to accomplish is amazing. And, uh, He's just one of those guys, when you see him, uh, he's different. It sticks out. It sticks out immediately. Uh, and you get players like that, you know, from time to time. You know, the Mike Trouts and guys like that, uh, Guerrero Jr., uh, Vlad Jr., and guys like that. It just They're just different. And it doesn't take anybody, a genius to figure that out. They look different. They play different. The ball sounds different. You know, they hit pitches that other guys don't hit. They're just a, a special group of guys. And to be honest with you, there's really not that many of them. No, and and if you're asked, like, what was it like playing against them? I mean, obviously, we did battle against you guys in the postseason, and it was just like every single time he came on deck, it was always like, oh, no, this guy, because he could leave the yard against you, or he could get a key hit like against Sonny Gray, but he could go left field, he can go right field, how many guys in the history of the game could really beat you foul pole to foul pole and take you deep at the same time that you either coached or coached against? Well, not very many. Uh, Albert Pujols probably, but not very many, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I've said all along, I think Miguel Cabrera had the best opposite field power of any hitter I've ever seen. Now, there's been guys before Miguel that I didn't see, and I'm sure there'll be some guys after that I'm not going to see, but uh, during my time in the big leagues, Miguel had the best opposite field power of anybody I've ever seen. He could also, he was one of the few guys that I've ever seen, and I had two of them, Miguel Cabrera, Magli Ordonia. They were two of the few guys I've ever seen that could take a hard sinker ball, right-handed hard sinker ball pitcher, and take that ball down at the ankles and shoot a ball in the right field. That's unbelievably hard to do. There's not many guys that could do that. Magli could do it, Miguel Cabrera could do it, and that, that kind of stuff separates them. Well, and then there is the whole part of growing up in the game of baseball, Jim, which is so different from era to era because these guys come to the big leagues with nothing, 
And then now you got guys signing hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money in these contracts. So you watch them grow from nothing to what they have into stardom. Uh, they have families. They have lives. They have business interests away from the game. Just talk about watching someone like Miguel Cabrera, where he started to where he is now. Well, it, it's, it's very interesting, to be honest with you. And I found this out actually throughout my entire career. You know, guys that were making 60000 and now making $60 million and more, things like that, they were good guys whether they were making 6000 or $60 million. And And there's other guys that if they're not a good guy, they may change. It may, you know, it, 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 it may change them as a person. But for the most part, I found in my career, the players are great guys. They're young kids. They make a lot of money, but they're good people. And they're really good people. And I found out that I've never really noticed that the money has ever changed any of the good guys. Now, it might buy them a bigger home. It might get them a nicer car. It might do some other things, obviously, for them, which it definitely does. But as far as changing them as a human being, I've never really noticed that very much. So now with the Tigers, how much do you watch the big club? I I know you also watch the minor leagues. How much are you involved, and what exactly is your role with the Tigers these days? Well, I, I'm still a special assistant to Alavila. Uh, I watch the Tigers every single game. <clears throat> I don't stick my nose in anything unless I'm asked. I'm actually in Pittsburgh today. I'm going to see a high school player that's going to be involved in a draft, possibly a high pick. So I'm going out to see him tonight. Uh, because he's right in my backyard, basically. Uh, but I go to spring training, I watch every game, and I travel with Al to watch every game. And then, you know, I have my opinion if they ask it. But, you know, we got a veteran manager in A.J. Hinch. He knows what's going on. He's got an excellent coaching staff. They don't really need a lot of information or a lot of input. Uh, A.J. and I talk from time to time. But I, I never, you know, butt in or, 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 you know, overstep my boundaries. I just don't. I don't do that. And then, as you said, I'll go to Toledo and Erie, look at our double-A AA and triple-A club and report to Alavila what I see. And if I think somebody's worthy of bringing up and they're looking for somebody, I'll give them my opinion, and, and then they can do what they want with it. Well, I think of your amazing life in baseball, and I know if you were – if I was running a ball club and, and you were part of it, I would want your nose in it a ton. What do you think the best advice? I mean, everybody's got kind of like their go-to. What's that one thing, that advice that you have to help an organization like the Detroit Tigers if somebody like the general manager or the manager come to you? Well, I, I'll give you my honest opinion on what I believe. I believe as an organization that you pay your players well, and when I say, well, I'm talking about fair. I think you treat everybody first class. I think you run a first class organization, the way you travel, the way you run spring training, your facilities. I think you do everything top notch because then if players complain or a player complains, you got him right in your pocket because the other players know that that's not true. When one player starts whining about the organization, other players say, hey, wait a minute. Do they pay us fair? Yes. Do they treat us great? Yes. Do we travel first class? Yes. Do we have a great facility? Yes. So this guy's out of line, and that way you can have him right in your pocket. He will, he will, he will get in the line with the rest of the guys. But I think you create that at the top by doing all those things as an organization, and then I think you create an attitude that says, hey, 
we got nothing to complain about here, fellas. This is as good as it gets. So I think that really helps your organization. Let's end on this. I know I've never asked you this before, but for you to win a World Series and for you to manage Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, and obviously there's something about when you put USA on your chest and you represent our country, you look, at, you look back on those two championships, what do you think? Well, it, they were two different venues uh, for sure. Uh, in one case, you're with the team uh, from day one of spring training, in a lot of cases from years before maybe, possibly, and you're with them every day in spring training throughout 162 games as well as the playoffs. So there's definitely more of a bond there than there is when you just manage a team uh, for two or three weeks. Although I will say this, the USA team, was one of, it was one of the best jobs and one of the worst jobs I ever had. It was, it was the best job because we got the right guys, everybody that wanted to be there. It was the worst job because you're asking them, you're dealing with somebody else's players, they're not yours, and you're asking them to amp it up a little bit quick early on in spring training when they're probably really not ready to do that, so you're just holding your breath every day that somebody doesn't get hurt. Uh, anybody. I'm talking about anybody. I'm not talking about somebody with a big contract or a little contract. I'm talking about anybody, pitcher, you know, position player. You're holding your breath each and every day. So it's a very strenuous job from that perspective. But we had the right guys. We won it for the first time. It was one of my most enjoyable experiences that I ever had, but it was also one of my toughest. Well, you're a legend in our game, and it's always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Uh, be well and be safe, and let's talk again soon. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. The great Jim Leland, three-time manager of the year, won a World Series, manage, manager and won the World Baseball Classic. I mean, and everybody, I mean – my God, every single time we bring him on, everybody's like, Jim Leland, I mean, he's a big deal. I mean, Jim Leland's one of the great managers of all time. Always like talking to Jim. He is great. Old school. You don't get any more old school than Jim Leland. And then on the set of A's Cast Live on the field, Sonny Gray stopped by. Good to see Sonny. Well, here on A's Cast Live from the field, we're going to start with a interview for you of someone who I know a lot of you A's fans, you loved him here as an Oakland A. And one of the things that you think about with my job all these years is getting to see players, whether they stay with us or not, you get to see them uh, mature as professional athletes, you see them grow as people. You see him come out of a college like Vanderbilt, and next thing you know, show up, you're pitching playoff games, and then uh, obviously it was sad to see you go, but he's now back with us, and we love having Sonny Gray on the program. My friend, it's been a while. How are you? It has been. I'm I'm good. Like I said, life is good. Um, it feels really good to, to be back here. I think this is my maybe my third time back, but this time it it feels good. It always feels good to come back here. Uh, the the ride into the to the field, everything. It just it just feels it just feels nice. So, I, I'm good. I'm doing I'm doing very well. Everybody always says it's just comfortable. It feels like home. Well, you hear you go, you go to other teams. So when you're here, you don't know any better. You're just kind of like here, and this is this is what it. Especially when you, like for me, coming up here, and and it was like make your debut as rookie here, doing all the things here in Oakland. It was like. This was it. And then you go to other places, and everybody's like, oh, you like Oakland? I was like, I loved it. I loved it because everybody's like, oh. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. There's just something about that place that's just awesome. So 
Um, yeah, it does. It's 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 always nice to come back. It just it's a there's a lot of history. There's a lot. It's it's a very unique place, and it's uh it's it's got a special part for me. Yeah, people don't understand because they look at the all the issues that we have with the ballpark and everything. But the era that you were here. And when you think of Bob Melvin, you think of all the guys you competed with at such a high level and the playoff games and the packed crowds, there was something special about that era. It's always hard to put your finger on exactly just one thing, just but for you guys that were so close, it was a magical time. Yeah, the walk-off wins. I mean, so many times we there were walk-offs hit and and walk-off wins happening here, and uh, it was was a lot of fun. I came up in that – I think 12 was going to the playoffs and then I came up and jumped right in the middle of it in 13 and then did it again in 14 and uh and it was kind of like those years 12 13 and 14 just kind of being in the middle of it and being here coming up in that spot was it was it was a really fun time here that that's for sure we had we had a lot of fun um and like the, the fans were it was there were a lot of packed games. Uh, I remember the playoff games, and it's just you look around at this place and look at all the seats, and it was just I was trying to tell some guys over there. I was like, "Hey, when this place gets going, it's there's there's not a place like it." It was like a football game. It was like the NFL and the yeah. Raiders during those games. And I remember doing my talk show outside the stadium because we weren't allowed in because ESPN and other people had the right. So even though we're here all year long, we got kicked <laughs> to the curb outside for the playoffs. Crazy how that happened. And everybody was like, well, how do you feel about Sonny Gray start? And you're like, hey, stuff plays. I don't care how young he is. And you know who we just had on the show is Jim Leland. Okay. And talking about Tigers, A's. Mm-hmm. Verlander, Cabrera, and of course, just saw Cabrera, and thinking about you pitching against them brings back all these memories, and for them, they remember that this was the loudest stadium they'd ever been in. I believe it. I believe it, because I remember what we had game one, two, and then game five here. Um, Yeah, it it was, this place gets rolling. It's it's a special place, and you get all these fans on top of you, it was a is a very very special place, and I'm sure I'm sure it still has its moments still. Um, but I, I vividly remember those and, and um, things I'll remember forever. So you know, once you're an A, you're always an A, and we're always gonna root for you no matter where you go. And I think about when you made the comeback and came off the IL. We're rooting for you to, to pitch well. How you feeling now? Where are you right now? Yeah, I feel good. Um, I I. As everyone did, I had a little bit of a slower start. The spring was kind of – it was different for a, for a lot of reasons. And, um, I, I, you know, coming out of spring, I felt okay. And then I went on the IL for a little while. And then I, I just started, um, I guess, two starts ago against the A's in Minnesota. And I've made one more start after that, and then I'll, I'll throw tomorrow. So the way I see it, it's kind of like my third start of the year. I don't really count the first two, kind of like laboring through some things. Um so I feel good. I feel I feel I feel good. It's just now I'm just just building, trying to trying to build some momentum, create some uh, consistency on the mound, and just and just kind of continue to get my feet under me and continue to just get you know get into the flow of the season and keep kind of keep kind of moving forward. So uh, I, I feel good. Uh, I feel good, and um, you know I like it in Minnesota. It's a really really good group of guys. Um, it, it's it's been fun getting to know all of these guys that that are over there currently. Uh, it's a bunch of new new faces that came over to the team. So um, yeah, it's 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 good. I, I really like the spot that I'm in. 
Killer ballpark, good team, good situation, first place. Mm-hmm. I, I love it for you. And, and I think about, like, with Stephen Vogt. Stephen Vogt always used to talk about catching you was like, I don't know where it's going. Sometimes <laughs> I don't think he knows where it's going because it's that magic that you have, that natural movement, and it can change throughout the game for you. And you can move the ball around. I know we've had many of conversations yeah. about that. So I can see a guy like you, you don't have much of a spring training I can see where it may take a little bit of time yeah. because you got a lot going on when you're out on the mound. Yeah, there's a, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of feels that I that I feel when I'm out there, and a lot of, a lot of like manipulation, and a lot of like um, getting on the same page with this person, this person, because sometimes I'll just do something different with the ball, and I kind of need you to, to know that that's about to happen. Uh, I got to see Vody yesterday, which was really cool. I uh, gave him a big hug. Uh, he was out there in right field. Um, so that was that was special. He's he's one of my all-time favorite human beings of all time, as probably a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people. Um, he he's he's great. But yeah, you're right. I just I do do some some different stuff every all, every every now and then, and just and just see what happens. I think about one of the strengths for this ball club is defense, and for you as a pitcher. What does that mean to you that kind of everywhere you look on the diamond, mm-hmm. you got a player out mm-hmm. there that can really help you out? Yeah, that's that's kind of new for me uh, over the last few years. It is um, it, it, honestly, too, and this can be like cl- cliche and you can hear people say this, but they put in a lot of time and a lot of effort in defense. Like they're, there's, they're constantly working on it, they're constantly talking about it. Um, it's something that's not just like taken for granted. It's not just like, hey, you just go out here and do this. It's, it's it it they take a lot of effort and a lot of thought, and and, and it, it, you can tell they care about it. Um, the the defensive guys and this team in general like really care about it, which is which is nice. And it's it's nice as a pitcher to 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 know that hey, these guys are put, these guys putting the time, putting the effort. It it genuinely matters to them. Um, you know, so that makes you that makes you feel comfortable and happy, and it makes you want to run and reciprocate and do the same. So, it's it's a nice way to have all all aspects and all part of the game kind of flowing together. I'm not sure where Korea is from a standpoint of Reen Stadium. I know it's either going to be today or tomorrow, whatever it's going to be. But we do know this, having played against yeah. him for so long and what he's done in the postseason. He's one of those guys. He's the dude. Like he's legit. Mm-hmm. Like and like even through the scandal, after the scandal, he's like. You know, he's the guy that flipped you the bird. Said, "I'm here to play. I don't care what you guys think. I'm winning games." Just what has he done inside that clubhouse to help change the culture? A winning—it's already been a winning culture, but to try and get the Twins over that hump. Yeah, he's great. He's—he's he's a special player. Uh, playing against him, you see how talented he is and how special he is. And he's—he's he's been on a winning team his whole career, you know, pretty much his whole life. So um, he's a very, very special player on the field, and he's a very, very special person off the field as well. Um, and that's something that I'm getting to see firsthand now, um, just being around him every day. Um, he brings a lot of uh, he brings a lot of special abilities and special talents and and, um, and and good energy to to the to the field every day. And it's a it, it really is a joy to to be around him. Did it tick you guys off a little bit that everybody just tried to say White Sox are the champs, best team in the American League? Gave nobody else in the Central. Heck, pretty much didn't give very many people of them, maybe like the Astros, Yankees, some team, Blue Jays, uh, a chance in the American League. Did you guys go, whoa, 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 whoa. We're still the big boys in this division. Did that tick you off? Um, 
Honestly, there's so many new faces on this team. I don't really, like me personally, the way I see it, I didn't even really, I didn't know much about the division at all coming into it. So I didn't really, I don't really hear that or listen to that. Um, I, I, I don't follow that as far as what other people are saying. Uh, it's not something that I live that I do on a day-to-day basis is listen to what this person says or this person says. So not really. I, I haven't really heard that. Um, so I just – there's a lot of new faces in on this team and there are a lot of uh, guys that come over that have won for a long time and that, that would say or bring winning attitudes. So I, I don't – personally, I don't, I don't see – I don't hear that. If yeah, that makes any that's sense. just us in the media talking about yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't mean to say this, but I don't listen you to y'all. You can say it. <laughs> I don't, I don't you listen. know how it rolls here. Yeah, you can be totally honest. I don't, I don't listen to y'all, so I don't, I don't listen to the media anymore. I learned my lesson that way. So I just kind of I just kind of keep that stuff at a distance and, and control what I can control on a day-to-day basis and with myself and getting my work done. And other than that, I just kind of don't listen to the noise. Your career now has been pretty interesting with the with the places you've gone. I mean, obviously, we all know about this place, but then you go to the Yankees, which is a whole different ball mm-hmm. game. Then you go to the Reds, now to the Twins. What's it? What's the difference playing on the coast, mm-hmm. playing here, big market, but the A's are different, as we know, going to the Yankees and then playing in the Midwest? What, what's the difference between the different uh, places? It's a... Uh location geographically i couldn't have done it any crazier go as far west as you can go then go all the way up to the northeast and go right to the middle and then go all the way to the top if i knock out a florida team then i'll kind of be all <laughs> over the place i'll be literally all over the map um every team's unique in their own way um they really truly are i mean but it's so every every team's so different it's so different in their own way as well um just like you got to just think of like living your life in a different place you literally just up and move to a random place, a lot of, and sometimes not by choice. Um, so you just got to adapt on the fly and kind of make the most out of it as you can. But literally, I mean, places could, a lot of places just couldn't be more different. Let's end on this. You know, we start seeing you growing a family while you're here. Yeah. How is the family? How is everybody? And what's going on with Sonny Gray off the field? Yeah, everyone's great. Uh, everyone's really, really good. Uh, my wife, Jessica. Um, she's doing awesome. Um, we live in uh, we live in t- in Tennessee still, right right south of Nashville. Um, I had, Gunner was born while I was in Oakland in 2015. Mm-hmm. He's seven now, so he's he's growing up and he's in first grade and um, going to school and playing baseball and playing hockey and doing his thing. And now uh, Declan was born in New York. He's three, turns four in September. Um, he's awesome. Gunner and Declan couldn't be couldn't be the opposite from each other, and they're both so awesome in their own way. Uh, Declan is 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 so loving and smiles and um, just such a good kid. Um, yeah, they're they're growing up. Um, families 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 great. Um, everything's great. I, I texted Jessica and was talking to her a little bit yesterday, uh, just about being back out here, and she said the same thing. She said, "Yeah, that place does feel like home." Uh, she did mention Bo Mill because he was so we were so close with Bo Mill when he was here. Uh, she said if Bo Mill was still there, it'd really feel like. And I was like, yeah, I know. Um, but I, I I did talk to him recently, and uh, he said he was doing well. Um, I know he's been out for a little bit of time. He said he was feeling well and, and uh, feeling really good. So um, that was that was good news and good to hear. Um, but everything's good and everything's good with us. Just uh, just just really want to this point in my career. I've been close at times. I just really want to. 
I just really want to win a championship, and I it's kind of like my main focus is 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 to I do want to get back to to the postseason and win a championship, and um, you know, and and hopefully it's uh, here in Minnesota. Yeah, uh, on the Bob Melvin front, doing well. Uh, I was texting with him, and he's he wants to get back. Yeah. On like Thursday, and yeah. I think the Padres are like, well, let's take a little more time. <laughs> uh, but he is doing well, and I know about your relationship and how much he loved you. Uh, and, and that's kind of like the one thing that, you know, it's like every single series we always have like a former A, and we love bringing him over here. And I just always want to say thank you because you were always so good to us here with the A's broadcasters and all the different shows that I did. And, of course, we'll always be rooting for you. And good luck the rest of the season. You be well with the family. and. uh yeah. Hopefully sometime we'll see in the postseason. That's right. Hopefully this year. The great Sonny Gray. Thanks so much, Sonny. Right here on A's Cast Live. Great to see Sonny Gray. Really a good guy. Was always good to us with A's Cast and A's Cast Live, pre and post, you name it. And I know a fan favorite. We will always root for Sonny Gray. And what an honor it was to have Bernie Williams on the field, on the set of A's Cast Live. Truly one of the great players of his generation. Here is the four-time World Series champion. Well, I got to think when Bernie Williams steps on this field, he's got a lot of great memories from all those years playing. And then, of course, what you're going to do tonight with the national anthem, going to be very, very special. Uh, this, this has been, this house has, has been good to you in your career and now will be good to you as a musician. Oh, my God. I am so grateful and uh, so fortunate to be here. Be back after all these years. Uh, we had so many great uh, things happen to us as a team and, and to me personally. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a great ride. And uh, now, uh, you know, it's just kind of coming full circle for me, baseball and music together. You know, before we start talking about your baseball career, and even as a musician, you know, we celebrated women yesterday here at the Coliseum uh, who have had breast cancer. My mother passed away of breast cancer not too long ago. And I think about this disease that took your father that takes a lot of people don't realize how many people die of this, just like breast cancer in this country and the awareness you're bringing for your father. Before we get into all the other stuff, talk about that, because I know that that's what means so much to you right now. Yeah, it is a cause that is near and dear to my heart because of uh, my father. I mean, my uh, Bernabe Williams Sr. Uh, was uh, the guy that took me in and uh, taught me how to play the game of baseball at a very young age. And he taught me how my first couple of chords on, uh, on the guitar where I actually developed this great love for music and sports. Uh, it was because of him and, of course, my mom. But uh, uh, in 2001, he passed away from this rare lung disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, uh, which is basically scarring of the lung tissue. And uh, it, is, uh, it is progressive, and it's, uh, it's terminal. You know, unfortunately, they haven't found a cure for it. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, he basically had it and uh he didn't know he had it until it was kind of too late so i think you know uh, me uh sort of raising awareness about it i think it could help a lot of people deal with this uh a lot of the symptoms that are attributed to ipf uh could be con- confused with other il- you know uh illnesses like uh, uh asthma copd uh, bronchitis uh but uh we are encouraging people to go to the doctor as soon as they started feeling symptoms, uh, which, you know, kind of like normal, kind of like, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of thing, you know, it's like a, a persistent cough that doesn't end, you know, that's always there. Uh, you start feeling fatigued and tired. 
things that you usually took for granted, like going through a flight of stairs or or walking, you know, down the beach or whatever it is, you know, start feeling all these things that are not usual, that are not normal. We're encouraging people to go to the doctor so they can be uh, referred to a lung specialist. And that person will be the one that could make the determination of, to whether or not you have IPF because you definitely don't want that in your life. And, uh, you know, you can move on. And if you have it, you know, there's a, uh, a website called uh, lungsnu.com where you can get information about how to get, you know, options about your treatment. Uh, you, you can uh, be in contact with doctors, uh, uh, caretakers, and even patients that are going through this uh, same process uh, so you don't feel alone and you don't feel like you're battling this by yourself. Yeah, when I was reading this today, I'd never heard of it. And then what I'm hearing, it takes the lives of almost as many women as breast cancer, and men can die of breast cancer. And just to, just to know that, you know, what you did in your career with the Yankees is great, and now what you can do from that career to help people and save lives has to be very gratifying and obviously honoring your father. Absolutely. No question about that. I think, you know, one of the things that, that are the perks of, I guess, a profession like I had was you are kind of given a platform to utilize to, you know, to make people aware of things that are close to your heart. If you want to help people, if you want to do whatever you want to do with your platform, uh, it's just a blessing to have the opportunity to speak to people and have the ear of people that will listen to you and what you have to say. So it's a, it's a, it's a blessing to have it, and I, I'm, utilize it, I'm util, utilizing it now to bring this cause into, you know, the people's ears and, and, and eyes so they can be more aware about it. Obviously, you're a very proud man. Obviously, you had an unbelievable baseball career. But when that was over, and you, we just talked off the air about playing at Yoshi's, when you finally were recognized as Bernie Williams, the musician, <laughs> what what did that mean to you? Because I know it's always about all oh, the World Series and all this kind of stuff, but now you're Bernie Williams, the musician. What was it like when people started recognizing you for your jazz guitar and what you've done in the two albums, what did that mean to you? Uh, very flattering. I think that, uh, you know, you put a lot of effort into, I put a lot of effort into playing guitar and becoming uh, the player that I have become. Uh, always keeping in mind that, you, you you know, this thing never ends. It's like baseball. You always learn something new every time you play. Guitar is the same thing. Music is the same thing. You have to keep this attitude of always being in a position that you are able to learn something from every experience that you have. Uh, and uh, when I was playing baseball, <clears throat> to me, the most important thing, I mean, the other things were great. You know, the perks, you know, the traveling, you know, obviously the, the compensation was, you know, obviously not, not bad at all. <laughs> but I, I think to me what got me going was to get the respect of my peers where they could uh, look at you and say, look through the lineup and say, this guy is a player. Okay, we got to be careful with him, you know, because he knows how to play the game. He can hurt us, you know, whatever. Having that kind of level of respect. Uh, from your peers that are playing, you know, your opposition as well as your players. That was where I got my kicks from. So in music, it's kind of like the same. You want to go into the scene and, and practice and work so hard that people could see you pass that whole facade of, you know, this former you know, sports person is going to come in and maybe hack some chords and follow along. You, you want them to recognize, you know, the, the work that you have done, which is kind of similar to what they have done in their careers to be to the point, point that they are. So being part of the group, uh, uh, it has worked. I think it's, uh, 
they, you get that respect because you, 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 you realize that nothing is, is given to you. You have to earn it and you have to work for it. And makes total sense. You don't want to be known as, ah, he's just up there because he was a baseball player. Mm-hmm. And I think as a baseball player, when you took the field in the pinstripes, you're going out there with your teammates. Now you're going up there and you have people behind you, but now you're front and center. It's all you. So all that time, and I have some stats here, 121 games in the postseason. Like, what did your baseball career do for you that now helps you being out front, being the performer, being the musician? Oh, there's so many parallels that I could draw from uh, the sports world into the music. Uh, First and foremost, uh, being a team player. Uh, You know, you you mentioned that you're kind of out there front and center, but the people that are behind you, backing you up, uh, I kind of take the whole music thing as a sort of learning a language and having a conversation with your band members. Uh, it's not about me being front and center and they backing me up. It's about me interacting with them and utilizing their talents also to make this collective uh, as good as it can be. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is performing under pressure. You know, when you're in the batter's box and you have, it's you, you and the pitcher, crowd seeing, umpire there, it's just this great uh, battle that you have psychologically and physically. Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on you, but it's all about the preparation that you have put into to get to that moment. So in music, it's the same thing. You know, you go out there on stage, and if you're prepared and you know what you're playing and you have control of your you know, instrument, uh, you can have more fun interacting with the, with the crowd and with the audience and getting them into the music. If you're not ready, it could be as hard, <laughs> <laughs> as challenging, as nervous yeah. as being on the plate with no, having no clue what's going to happen. So, uh, and then, you know, after that, I mean, there's so many more parallels that I could draw that uh, from the world of uh, sports, I was able to draw into my preparation as a musician. And they have worked, I mean, so good, so well. Well, you guys and that core group, I mean, like I said, you played in 121 playoff games. You think about all the World Series. And I know you guys have gone back to Yankee Stadium. You've been honored, obviously. But have you guys really had a, had a time where you guys can really sit back and go, wow, look at everything we accomplished? Well, I tell you the truth, man. I, I still haven't gotten to that point where I can just sit on the couch and just say, you know what? It's been a long journey. It's been quite a, quite a, <laughs> quite a ride. Uh, I kept as the same thing that I was doing when I was playing baseball. The moment that I would sit back and start looking at what I did, I would become stagnant and not grow. Uh, to me, it was all about the next at bat. It was all about the next game. It was all about the next season. Uh, the next 10 years, you know, where am I going to go? You know, where, where is this going? Uh, so uh, it, it is kind of funny to think about the things that we did uh, and having the opportunity to maybe see some games, you know, in retrospect and see, wow, I, was, I looked a lot slimmer back then. <laughs> I had, we all I had, did. I have black hair, you know. It's just like, wow. Uh, it, it's kind of nice to see. Uh, it's almost like a lifetime ago of, of uh, experiences. Uh, and, uh, you know, the one thing that I've always trying to stress is just moving into the next thing and what's next, because then uh, life is too short, man, to just kind of rest on your laurels and then try to, you know, think about what you did in the past. As long as you ha- I have a breath in my lungs, I'm going to try to keep pushing forward and do things that I've never done before, try new things and learn like it's my first day on the earth. <laughs> well, well I, I know A's fans would want to know. Go back to a, a couple of those series that were great battles 
and how loud this place was. Oh, and man. what was it like to be a Yankee going up against these A's, hard-nosed A's? That was kind of the start of what ended up being a movie, Moneyball and everything. That yeah. was leading up to that. What, what was it like playing against those A's, and what was it like playing in the stadium? It was awesome. I always liked playing in the stadium. Uh, I love the sort of the openness of it. Uh, as a hitter, it was a different story, though, because of the foul territory. It really got me frustrated. I got a pop fly, and, oh, man, dude, the first baseman or the, or, the, or the third baseman catching that ball, it was so frustrating. But other than that, being able to play with these fans, which are probably I would compare them to, you know, the rivalry that we have in Boston with the Red Sox, coming into the West Coast, this was probably the toughest place for me to play. Uh, and the fans were, you know, they, they were like that sort of uh, missing element, you know, that would jump in and uh, really rattle the team, you know. And uh, it, it, you cannot do any, any mistakes out there. You can, I mean, there was, there was one time I think I was facing Mike Oakwood, who bases loaded, right? It, I think it was like a night game. And I'm battling with him, you know, ball one, ball two, strike out, foul, a couple of pitches, count goes to two and two. He throws me a fork ball in the dirt, right? And I see it, and it's like, okay, ball four. It's ball three, but I think it's ball four. So I start walking down the line, and I look in the dugout. I see everybody just falling off their chairs <laughs> laughing. Joe Torres is like this. Oh, God, there we go again. And, and then I look at the, uh, at the batter's box, and the, the, the umpire is like, come back here. <laughs> so I was walking from first base thinking that I that had to walk. So I'm, this count is 3-2. The fans are really over, really on me, like really riding me hard. Wouldn't you believe that the next pitch, uh, I hit it out of the ballpark. Grand slam. As I'm running the bases, everybody's like, ooh. Yeah. The, the, the dugout is just laughing. And the umpire is like, oh, you doofus, man. <laughs> it's such a lost cause. But, yeah, that was kind of like, you know, part of the history that I had here in the stadium. Yeah, I know there's great history and some great battles. And, Let's end on this. I mean, you're going to go down. I mean, you think about Yankee great center fielders. You know, Joe DiMaggio is uh, from here in Northern California. You think Joe D. You think Mickey Mantle. You think Bernie Williams. I mean, oh, wow. that. I mean, playing center field for the Yankees is kind of a big deal. Yeah, it's a very coveted uh, position in sports, all sports. That and shortstop. You know, I think Derek sort of made that uh, kind of a famous position as well. As well, but uh, I think you know. It was a combination of staying balanced and trying to be myself and not really try to put the pressure of emulating all these great players that played before me. And uh, at the same time, pushing myself to be the best that I could be so I could make my mark in the game, whatever that was, you know, at the time. Uh, trying to leave the game with no regrets, you know, put it all out there on the field. And, uh, you know, when it was time to go, it said, you know, I did it and I did it my way. I had a lot of great memories. I was very fortunate to be a part of uh, teams that went to the World Series. There are people that play this game for years and years and years and never really had an opportunity even to go to the playoffs. So I, we went to the World Series six times, and we came victorious for them. So uh, it, it is something that you have to feel so much gratitude for, you know, the time, you know, the place, the people and all the experiences, you know, that, that I went through that are still, you know, so, so vivid to this, to this point, you know. And I, 
I'm so so happy and uh, so blessed to have the opportunity to do that. I love you got the the guitar on your back. You're ready to rock. Let's get this thing ready going. Ready to go. Ready to go. Hey, thank you so much for stopping Absolutely, by. We man. truly thank appreciate you. it. Oh, and man. good luck with this second career. Uh, your your music's fabulous. I know everybody can follow you online and uh, kill it tonight. Oh man, if I can if I can handle facing Barrazito out there, this is going to be hopefully a lot easier. <laughs> He's one of the greats of his time. Bernie Williams right here on A's Cast Live. We'd like to thank Robbie Grossman, Jim Leland, Sonny Gray, and Bernie Williams for all being on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.